0: That is going to rock right there, church. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss Easter. We have already added several services for Easter. We're believing God for 10,000 people this Easter. And man, God is going to save folks. Remember, this is the year of the hundredfold harvest, and that is just part of it. It was a wonderful time in Israel with our campus pastors and part of our video team and, and we, we just had some amazing experiences and, and Easter is going to start in the upper upper room is going to finish at the empty tomb. and so it's going to be great. You, you just you don't want to miss it. Uh, it is amazing. Well welcome all of our campuses. By the way, if you missed uh, Friday night, we had a night of worship CD recording, it was off the chart. It was one of the best worship experiences. It was radical. Michelle, the worship team, did an unbelievable job, and it it really did. It rocked it. it was awesome. Missed you guys while we were gone? Always do. I heard, I don't know, but I heard Matt Grimes preached one of the best messages he's ever preached. He is an amazing man of God. He's an amazing communicator, amazing preacher, and so we're just blessed to have him on our staff and we love you. When we're gone, Michelle and I, we miss you guys, and we love this church, and we love you. And, and God's doing some, doing some unique stuff. So I want to do something I uh, hadn't done really before that I could think of. I want to ask all the men at all of our campuses to stand. Every man stand. Just stand up and stay standing. Every man wants you to stand up because I want to talk to you for a second. I want to talk to you guys. I want you to hear something from your pastor. Every single campus, doesn't matter, Blunt, North Knox, Anderson, Campbell. Internet, I want you to hear something. I couldn't be more proud of the men in this church. I what man guys are, amen. Come on. I'm telling you. Men are reading the Bible for the first time. Men are stepping up in ministry. Uh, you know, I'm, this church is 18 years old. I've been the senior pastor 17 years, and I have never seen men rising up like men are rising up. Uh, again, every single campus. Guys, we are proud of you. Keep rocking. I love you. Way to go. Come on, ladies. Let's give them a hand. You guys got have a seat. Amazing. And so in a few weeks, uh, I'll be, Michelle and I, or I'll, I'll be out that weekend, we will be opening up Faith Promise Costa Rica. And I uh, can't wait. It's exciting. Everything is rolling right along. Uh, we're going to be doing two mission trips. One is coming soon. And so if you want to be a part of that, if you'll check in uh, the mission spot at your campus or if you'll go online or if you'll call uh, Jody Kenyon, she's leading that trip. If you want to be a part of that, that is gonna, that's going to come up Really shortly after we get that campus up and running, we're going to start doing some mission trips down there every year. Brad, our worship pastor, is lining things up. And so it is, it is cooking. Well, let me ask you a question because we're about to dive in here. Do we still believe the Bible, Faith Promise Church? Come on. We still believe the word. We so believe the word. It, God gets the last word. It's one of our values and one of my lifelong favorite verses. I, I, I use the term favorite verse a lot but one of my lifelong favorite verses is John 10, 10, where Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more. And the, the other half of that verse is that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so there's a war going on, and, it, and Jesus bought for us the abundant life. But if we're going to walk in the life that Jesus bought us, we are going to have to take it. Amen. There's no passive laying back in the glory fall. We're going to have to get after it. Because if you've read this Bible, and by the way, anybody still on the Bible reading plan for the church? Anybody still reading it? All right, way to go. I have a word for you. Are you ready? This is deep. If you're listening, see I, I am. Leviticus is almost done. <laughs> okay, come on, just hang in there. <laughs> hang in there. <laughs> hang in there. I don't know how many ways you can sacrifice an animal, but it's almost over, baby. It's almost done, so you got stick with that, you know, stick. But if you've read the Bible, and, and I read it every year from cover to cover, and I've read it dozens and dozens of times, even, and, and part of it's great and part of it's not. Even the 23rd Psalms, where, where it's the most known passage of Scripture, chapter in the Bible, half of it's great and half of it's crummy. Isn't that right? Come on now, faith promise. We're just raw and real, man. We're just going to take call it like God sees it. it. You know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when I'm surrounded by my enemies, that that's crummy. That's that's bad circumstances. Do y'all agree with that? Come on, let's be real. It is. So I want to talk to you this weekend about what do you do with the crummy part? What do you do with the crummy part? Because do we all have some crummy part? Now I. I I use our celebrate Monday night. We have a celebrate ministry. It's unbelievable. Folks are getting delivered and set free from all kind of hurts, habits, and hang-ups. It really is great. And when I have a new thought, I use celebrate as a guinea pig. So I shared this thought with celebrate months ago and said, Do y'all think the church needs to hear it? And they said yes, yeah. so here it comes. So would you all agree there's a crummy part? There's just there are issues that we all face. So what do we do? I want to give you a verse. That, that I use to encourage me, that, that I use to, to build me up when, when the crummy part comes in. It's Isaiah forty thirty one, and, and those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their what? Their strength. They shall mount up the wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now, some of the verses, I always use New American Standard but for the first 15 years of my walk with Jesus, I memorized in King James. So I, so I go back and forth, and then I mix it up. So you don't ever know. You just never know. But I love that verse because it's speaking to people that are facing adverse circumstances that things are happening in your life, that the hammer's falling. It could be difficulty. It could be addictions. It could be problems or pain. And, and, and what do you do when you don't think that you can go anymore, when you, you don't think you can run another lap, when you don't think this marriage is going to work, when, you, when you're about to throw in the towel on your small group? What do you do? Well, God says you wait upon the Lord. And as you are waiting upon the Lord, you are going to gather new strength. He is going to bear you up. He is going to take you up on eagle's wings. Now, I love the word wait. I usually almost every day in my journal use Isaiah 40, 30, 31, this verse. Almost always use it. And it's because of the word wait. Because the word wait means not to passively sit back with your twiddle, you know, twiddling your thumbs. That's not what the word means. What the word means is to wait expectantly. I mean, you're in a waiting room, and a birth is about to be given. You're waiting. here. You're, you're expecting something wonderful to happen. You are waiting by faith. You are waiting, looking, expecting. And so it, it has this, this air of expectancy about it. It also, it also has another side to this word. The word wait can be translated to bind together to support are to gather together. So there's a picture in this verse that when we need strength and we are waiting on the Lord, we wait on the Lord together, i.e., we gather in the house of God. Does that make sense? In the Old Testament, they gathered in the temple of God or the tabernacle of God. In the New Testament, we gather in the church of God, the the gathering of God. And when we need strength and when we need encouragement and when we need hope, we gather together because we're going to gather strength when we gather together. We're going to renew our strength. We can run another lap. We can go another day. We can make it another week after we've gathered together. Does that make sense? Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. When we gather for God, God shows up. And when God shows up, God shows out. God will encourage you, motivate you, and give you the strength that you need to go another day. See, that's why, again, we gather together as a church. And so I tell people all the time, say, I got problems, man. I say, get to the house of God. Run to the house of God. Get with the people of God when you need, when you're down or discouraged, when life is just dumped on you, listen, run to the house of God. Amen? But listen, this is our nature. We, when, when problems arise, when we have pain, we don't run to the house of God, we run from the house of God. You know, rarely do people fall away from worship in church, their church family, when things are going well. That's not when they fall away. They fall away when their marriage begins to crumble or they get laid off or the doctor says cancer or or something's happened. When when the circumstances go caustic, that's when people fall away from the Lord. Can I tell you something? When all hell breaks loose, that's when you need the church even more. Come on. And listen, when life doesn't play along, don't stay away. But that's what we do. We get mad at God or the pastor or our small group, and, and we bail. Because let me tell you something about God. God doesn't have to explain himself to you. I did a funeral today of one of our members. Served in this church for years. Served actually on this stage. Killed last weekend in a motorcycle accident. Heard his daughter and son-in-law give an unbelievable memorial today, and 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 as I listened, as I watched, what everybody was wondering is why. In that situation, everybody wants to know. Well, Pastor, could you tell me why? Can I tell you? In four thousand years of history, God rarely tells us why. See, God's not honor duty bound to give us the reason why God does something. Does that make sense? But but, but what God does tell us is get to the gathering. Get with the people of God. Don't run from God. Run to God. I'm going to show you a story of, of really, and it's a story that many of you are very familiar with. It's in John chapter 11, and it's the story of Lazarus. It's Lazarus. You know, Lazarus is sick, and Mary and Martha, Lazarus is Jesus' bro. He's his buddy. They're BFFs, and he's there all the time, and Martha cooks for him, and, and, and so for Jesus. And so Mary and Martha send to Jesus, hey, you've got to hurry and come because Lazarus is about to die. But Jesus doesn't come, and Lazarus dies. And four days later, Jesus and the boys show up. They show up, picking it up in, in verse 18. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha said... I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, and you need, to, you need to circle this. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who doubts, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes to the world. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying the teacher is here and he's calling for you. Now, I want you to notice in the dialogue between Mary, between Martha and Jesus, that Martha never wanted to talk about today. She wanted to talk about four days ago or she wanted to talk about the future resurrection. She didn't want, she wanted to talk about the past or she wanted to talk about the future. She didn't want to talk about the present because the present's where the pain is. That's why when life falls apart, that's why we, we try to think back at the good old days and we look forward when, when it, what, whatever's going on won't be happy anymore. But we don't want to think about today. We don't want to talk about today because today's where the problems are. But can I tell you something about God? If you listen to Say I Am, God is a right now God. God's not a yesterday God. God's not a tomorrow God. God is a right now God. He is a God right now in this moment, every moment, no matter what's going on. If we will wait, gather together, and wait expectantly for God, he will give us strength even in the crummy part. That's why he said, I am. My name is I am at the burning bush. I am that I am. You tell him I am called you. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. Literally, I, the, the, it, in, in, here in verse 25, I am the resurrection. I am the stand up and be recovered. I am the stand up. Listen, sometimes you can't get up. And we have people with almost 6,000 people here this weekend. We've got folks here that are struggling with addictions, that are struggling with past, that are struggling with pain, that are struggling, struggling with shame and regret and bitterness we have people struggling with so many things. It's absolutely unbelievable. We have people who say, I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can make it another day. Marriage is falling apart. And people, you know, just said, I, I don't think that I can go anymore. Jesus said, I am the stand up and be recovered. And if you are born again, does that mean that Jesus lives in you? And so what I want to challenge you to do is let Jesus stand up And be your recovery. You say, but I can't stand up. If you'll let Jesus stand up in you, you'll stand up with him. Does that make sense? And when he rises up in you, and so you need to picture Jesus standing up. You say, I can't get up. You watch Jesus, the one that got up out of the grave, the one that raised Lazarus from the dead. I am the resurrection. I am the stand up and be recovered. You may not be able to do it, but I can do it. I can stand up over sin and death and the devil and every single thing that you face. I am life. I'm the life that satisfies you. I'm the life that will stand up in you. I'm the life that will give you the power to stand, no matter who leaves you. Listen, church. This is radical stuff, but I want you to hear it. No matter who walks out of your life, no matter who dies around you, no matter who divorces you, no matter who forsakes you, no matter who forgets you, listen, the only single person you cannot live without is Jesus. Are you with me? <laughs> he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We can... We can live without a lot of people, but can't live without Jesus. And so the story goes on, verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, come, Lord, and see. Verse 39, said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench. He's been dead four days. Jesus said, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, he said that, that, uh, uh, standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you have sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And there is so much in that because it begins with Jesus in a deep groan. The Bible says he's deeply stirred and he's got this deep groan. And then when it comes to the point of he's standing before the the, the tomb, the stone is rolled away, literally Jesus roars in a loud voice. You know what some of us need? We need to get our roar back. We need our roar back. Some of us have sat by passively and have accepted things in our life that we don't need to accept. We're just letting the devil kick our tails. We're letting things just happen. Listen, we, we, we don't passively have to sit by. See, waiting on the Lord is anything but passive. Believing, trusting, moving out. Jesus is indignant and he roars, and Lazarus comes bouncing out of that grave. I'd love, man, boy, if there was ever a video, I'd love to see. He's in there wound up with a bed sheet. That's what he did. They got him loaded up with spices and stuff. I mean, it's not like he unbuttoned the sheet. Jesus said, Hey, somebody get the grave clothes off of him because he's not dead anymore. Let me tell you what discipleship is. Sanctification is. why why we're involved in small group, why we study the Word of God, because when you get saved, God calls you out of the grave. But you still got the grave clothes on. And what we're trying to do, church, is get off the grave clothes and put on the glory clothes. Take off the, the sadness and put on the gladness. Take off the mourning and put on the praise. Come on. Get your roar back. Y'all think Celebrate was right? Y'all think we need this? Better believe Jesus was indignant. I, I was at a conference the, the first time that Rick Warren, what a great man of God, spoke after his son, Matthew, committed suicide. And it was about two weeks later, and, we, and they skyped him in. It was a big, huge screen, and, and they were asking Rick questions. And finally, Greg said, hey, Rick, what have you learned out of Matthew's and I mean Rick's face got, he got, he he just got so firm. I mean, you could see the whole tenor, his countenance change. He said, I'm gonna tell you what I've learned. I've learned there's nothing else the devil can do. And he'll regret messing with my family. I was scared. Man, I'm telling you. Send shivers down my spine. Listen, we are not passive. Listen, we are sheep that roar. Man, we are following the line of Judah. We are not passive pansies. We are soldiers for God. Amen? Amen. Man, you go into 2 Corinthians and Second Corinthians 11, and Paul gives a long litany of bad stuff. I mean, he just gives this litany. In verse 23, he said, you know, he said, in labor and prisms, beaten, times without number, in danger 30, five times I received 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Nine a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, from robbers, from my countrymen. From the Gentiles in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers of the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor, a hardship through many sleepless nights, hunger, thirst, often without food and cold exposure. Apart from such external things, there's the daily pressure on me of the concern for all the churches. And he goes on. But let me tell you, as Paul gives this litany of problems and pain, never once did he say, why me? Never once did he say, how come? This is not fair. Why because paul was man, paul was he was an aggressive man of God who was who man, he 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 let Jesus be the stand up and be and you know the resurrected stand up and be recovered in him. There's a great story that illustrates this in the Old Testament. It's in 1 Samuel chapter three. I mentioned it last night in 1 Samuel chapter three, it's about King David uh, I mean in, uh, verse chapter thirty. King David, he's not the king, and king is run, David is running from Saul. Saul is trying to kill him. So all the army of Israel is searching for David. David is hiding all over the place inside and outside of the country, and, and, and David's got 600 men, and they're running all the time. And so they make this raid on the Philistines. And while they're gone, another enemy comes in and attacks David's village takes every single woman and every single kid and all their stuff. How would you like to drive home from work, find out your wife and your children have been kidnapped and somebody burned your house down and everything you had was in it? The Bible says they wept bitterly. Matter of fact, the Bible says they wept until there was no more energy in them for them to weep. They were in absolute, utter agony. Now, David was walking with God. He was living right at this point. We know David messed up some. But this is what we know. Bad stuff happens to good people, doesn't it? It just does. Bad stuff happens to God's people. It does. And so, again, in verse 6, they're all weeping. Moreover, David was greatly distressed because all those people spoke of stoning him. For all the people were embittered, each one because of his sons and daughters. And David strengthened himself. In the Lord. That last sentence. See that those six hundred men are about to kill David. They're bitter. See that, that what had happened to them made them bitter. And bitterness it brings out hostility and it's a horrible road. See, bitterness when you allow it into your life will destroy you. The Bible says that because of bitterness, many in the church are are defiled. It it develops roots into your heart and it spreads and it makes hostility toward all the people that you love. And then guess what happens? Once you become bitter, it affects all of your relationships, and then one day you'll be all by yourself because nobody wants to be with you. And you'll justify your bad attitude. Does this make sense? You'll, but you don't know what happened to me, Pastor. See, that these guys, you don't understand. Our wives are gone. We are killing David. But David was walking a different path. He wasn't walking the bitter path. He was walking the better path. And so it says right there in verse 6, I love this, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Strengthened himself. He encouraged means to fasten himself to the Lord. Or David chose to be recovered. Did y'all hear that? David chose to be recovered. Because of the power of God and the spirit of God in him, and the same spirit that's in David is the same spirit in you, right? You could choose to be recovered. Right now you need to choose to be recovered. David chose to encourage himself in the Lord. He chose that while everybody else was weeping that he was going to strengthen himself in the heart of God. He was able to do this, by the way, because he was a worshiper. He was a worshiper. And so he strengthened himself in the Lord, and he chose to be recovered. And what happened? He did. said, come on, boys, we'll go get them back. And they did, and they went, and they got every wife and every kid and all their stuff and more. Everybody, everything was brought back. Why? Because David said, I'm going to stand up and be recovered. See, David knew he couldn't, and you say, I can't either, but God can in you. Verse 8, David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this band and shall I overtake them? And he said, pursue for you will surely overtake them and you will surely rescue all. Our God can. Our God can. Listen, we need to pursue. We need to overtake. We need to stand up and be recovered. Does anybody in the house think we need to stand up and be recovered? And I don't know what it is, but let God prove his ability in you that, that you can be down and, and, and you can think you're out, but God is going to raise you up. Jesus is going to stand up in you and his power and his glory, and he is going to stand up, and as he stands up, he's going to stand you up because our God can. Amen. Y'all believe that? I.e. is to stand up and be recovered. See, there's a lot in that, wor- that word about waiting, those that wait upon the Lord with faith expecting God to move. Those who gather together instead of running away. There, there are people who have been committed to faith promise for 19 years, and they've gone through through mountaintops and valleys, but they have remained faithful. Why? Because they continue to wait upon the Lord with the people of God. Does this make sense? Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to ask all the campus pastors and all of the pastors, if you guys would get to make your way forward. Some of our prayer team at Pellissippi, but campus pastors, if you'd make your way forward. Now, first off, let me speak to those who all across the board who may not yet be saved. You've never surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus. Today's the day. And you're ready to, to let Jesus say, but Chris, man, you don't know all I've done, all I've been through. I, it doesn't matter. Jesus died to pay your penalty. Jesus loves you so much he gave his only but he gave his life on the cross. And a week ago, we were standing at the empty tomb, and guess what? It's empty. Jesus bought it for three days, but he didn't need it anymore because he came out. And as he walked out of that death, he can handle your problem. He is the stand up and be recovered. But well, maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus, and you're ready right now to open your heart and mind. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, every single campus, if you're ready, I just want you to open your heart. Would you just... Pray this prayer. It's not a magic prayer. It's just a confession of your heart before God. Church, let's pray this out loud with them. Say, Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned, and I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Stand up in me and be my recovery. Because of you, I can go on. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, "Somebody give God some praise in the house." Now, uh, I want to do. I want to do something else because a message of this kind stirs up things in people, doesn't it? It just does. And some of you just need some more. You need some prayer. And so our prayer team is going to come. Our campus pastors are going to come. And at every campus, the, the, the people are down front. And so maybe you need healing. Maybe you know that you need a recovery, but, and you believe God can, but, but you've tried and failed and failed and failed. And you say, I just don't know if I could try again this time. It's not that you're going to try. It's that you're going to surrender to the I am the resurrection, to the I am, stand up and be recovered. Maybe, you, maybe a family member's wayward. I got a brother tonight back in jail. We all had people that are struggling in our lives that we love and we're brokenhearted for. And so I don't know why you may come, but we got folks who are going to pray for you. We're going to just worship very, very quietly. But we need the Spirit of God to move. Amen. Father, we come to you in the, in the name of Jesus, the resurrection and the life, the, the I am, the stand up and be recovered. And God, there's some people at every campus who need a touch from you. And God, you're the God that can give it. You're the God that provides. You're the God that loves to bless your kids. And so, Father, we pray in the strong name of Jesus at every campus in every place that your spirit would fall in great power and glory, that we would, as David did, encourage ourselves in the Lord, that we will rise up, that we will take back the land the devil stole, that we will take back the years the locusts ate, that we are no longer going to be passive and set back, but spiritually, we're going to get our roar back, we're going to get our fire back, and we are going to march, and we're going to be an army, and we will not let the devil have another inch. So, holy God, in this moment, would you move at every campus as we pray in Jesus' name? So stand all over all our campuses. Go ahead and stand. Michelle and the praise team is going to lead us. People down here to pray for you. Probably need some more of the prayer team. But As we sing, just quietly. Come on, guys. And let, the, let someone let you st- stand up and be recovered.